Welcome, this is Sophie, the food blogger behind A Kitchen in Uganda, and what you are listening to is our new podcast called Our Food Stories, a podcast where we as a community share food stories from our past that have raised and sustained our ancestors and eventually ourselves. Episode 4. Can you list one to two traditions that you saw your parents do that you now call your own as an adult? Today's guest is someone I have had the opportunity to interact with on several occasions and he shares a story of some traditions his mother used to practice while he was a child that have followed him into adulthood in the form of preparing a meal similar to injera. Of course he has added his own twist to it. This is a story that you don't want to miss. My name is uh, Dil Mandela and um, I'm a Ugandan. I'm not sure I have a ethnic group or tribe that I really identify with because I'm one of those people who sort of grew up in a place that doesn't belong to either their, parent, their, either their parents' homes. So my father is from the western part of the country, my mother from the northern part, uh, but I grew up in Tororo and Tororo it wasn't really a it wasn't a monocultural place it was a cosmopolitan even more cosmopolitan than kampala um because it had a lot of like a lot of people a lot of different nations like ended up in Dororo. Uh, the district itself had more than eight different nations and then there are people who immigrated there uh, the indians the somalis the the biracial people from the coast, the Arabs, uh, there were a lot of people. And so it was just the confluence of all these cultures. So I grew up in such a place and I, I don't know who to identify with. Um, the language you speak at home is Swahili, uh, which is the predominant language in Tororo town. The region, of course, uh, eastern part of Uganda, it's kind of a pretty decent place i mean it doesn't get too hot doesn't get too cold i don't even i don't remember experiencing any extremities it was a beautiful town uh, with this little rock uh, close by it giving it this kind of postcard look it was an old town very small kind of what you'd call a ghost town not exactly a ghost town but it is like nothing really ever happens in Tororo. So the story that I'm going to share is kind of from, I would say, my relatives, my mother, maybe. And uh, yeah, from my childhood, mostly because what I witnessed as we were growing up. Um, but it's also from the friends. I think this was uh, my mother's best friend. She was a Somali. She once told me that she is the reason why I'm called Dilman because... Dilman is kind of a Somali name that has, that means, I think it's a combination of two words, Dilma, which means do not kill. It's a long story how I ended up with that name. But um, yeah, so yeah, that's the story that I'm going to share. And this, it's a food story about, uh, you know, I've been a bachelor like literally all my adult life. I've never been lucky enough to settle down. And uh, one thing, of course, which bugs everybody who lives alone is cooking. Um, you know, like if you're in a family, then 
it's easy to share roles it's even easier to justify hiring a maid to be there and cook for you all the time but when you're staying alone um cooking is one of those things that you know you uh yeah you you have to think hard and you have to like literally create a lot of time just to do it and for me uh it became okay it's not a call at some point i ended up liking cooking and some people uh think um i'm a good cook i'm I'm not sure if i'm a good cook but i do well i mean okay uh, i think people maybe they just get surprised when they see what i have uh, made but because i want to make very quick foods i don't want to spend too much time in the kitchen i eat mostly salads and i also make chapatis those ones they don't take too long but they are not exactly the chapatis that you know i think it's a cross between injera uh, ajera and and the real chapati so what happened is growing up uh, i told you of this somali friend of my mom uh, she's called she was uh, my, i think miriam uh, she was usain shire's wife we normally knew her as usain shire's wife because of you know the patriarchy and, and when you're a kid you know you call a, a lady by the husband like you know her by her husband but yeah she taught my mother a lot of things and the two things that i remember a lot from my childhood and this used to happen around christmas time uh, was making what we called sweets and then making this thing she was called she she used to call it ajera but of course eventually i, I learned the name was injera or yeah, I might be pronouncing it wrong. Um, so with sweets, sweets is basically a fruit salad. But at that time, I mean, we were calling it sweets and we didn't, I don't know why she called it sweets. But what she'll do is cut up a lot of fruits and mix them up together and serve it. And today that is kind of one of my main meals um, because I don't have to cook them. I simply, you know, chop up fruits and salads and stuff like that and put them in a plate and they are ready to go i learned of course i added a few things sometimes i'll boil potatoes and then i put them in the mix because i need the starch in them other times i boil pumpkins or it's i do pasta and then i mix the fruit salad with pasta uh, yeah i'm sure someone is saying yaks or ew or something like that but yeah i'm it, it doesn't taste too bad and yeah, it, it, it all came from the improvisation. And I don't think if I had, if my mother had not been making these sweets when I was a child, uh, I probably wouldn't have gotten the idea of putting fruits and and vegetables in one bowl and then uh, mixing them up with even pasta or potatoes or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it. I at, for a while I thought uh, this was the healthiest meal and I thought I was not going to gain weight but somehow, even if this is 70-80% of my meals, I was surprised when I saw that I had put 10 kilos in the last one year. Yeah, it was a bit surprising. I don't know if just being at home all the time for nearly more than a year because of the pandemic also contributed. Because I hardly got a chance to do exercise, to get out of the house. But I couldn't believe that, you know, eating just fruits and a lot of these fruits like this could end up with a weight gain uh, situation. I make that fruits and then sometimes I'll make the chapati which I'm telling you is called injera. So how I normally make it is 
I mix flour, you know, like the, this process you make when you're going to the chapati. Mix flour with water and a bit of salt, maybe with baking powder, and then you knead it. But in this case, I don't knead. I make a paste, yeah, and then it's this thick, um, really thick paste. Then I drop an egg into the paste and I um, mix, beat it to mix it until it's a smooth thing. And then I uh, I normally use the non-stick frying pans such that I don't put a lot of oil on the pan. I just smear the, the pan a bit and then I pour the paste onto the pan. After two minutes, three minutes of it on, the, on high heat, I flip it over and then I burn the other part. I just call it burning because that's what it feels like. So what comes out of this is some interesting thing which is like i said it's not injera it's not chapati if you look at it one side of it looks like crepe the french thing and then the other side looks like uh, chapati yeah and people are always surprised at first i thought it was a normal thing until i had people coming over and to my place at one point and i served them this and they were like what what is this this side looks like crepe this side looks like chapati how did you make it and then I realized I was doing something a little bit non-conventional. I don't know. They didn't complain too much about it. I mean, they ate it. It didn't taste too bad. Yeah, it just looked different from what they had seen before. I'm sure it tastes like a chapati or something like that. And yeah, it just looked different. And some of my meals, this is what I do. I make that ajera thing. I will just call it ajera because that's what my mother used to call it. And then I, I, I wrap it with fruits the fruit salad that I made and yeah I get there some kind of wrapping and I eat that and that's the meal for me. Uh, I think this is 70% of my meals and then when I want to change I probably cook pork and something and yeah. Um, So to make the ajera thing, the chapati thing, I began experimenting of course after a while it became a bit tedious and monotonous to just use flour, water, salt and eggs. So I began experimenting with fruits and I would blend the banana, I put it in the mixture. I tried with the popo, but the popo has too much starch. I know it has something sticky with it, like, you know, if you even make a smoothie out of popo, the, the smoothie will become, it will congeal, it will become like spongy, not exactly liquid. Uh, I don't know that state. It's not solid, it's not liquid, but it's just very thick something. Um, so when you use it in the chapati, there is a way it comes out and it tastes weird. I tried mangoes as well and I realized you can't really put mangoes in the chapati. It's, yeah, it doesn't taste good. Pineapples too didn't taste so good. Bananas kind of were the only thing that worked. Uh, so now I do um, bananas whenever I want to, to, to change the flavor. It's almost like... A recipe for making cake but instead of putting it in an oven you put it on a pan so what i do i blend the banana um i put it in the pan then i put the flour i put a bit of baking powder then mix the thing with water or if i mm, a bit extravagant i just use eggs alone like three or four eggs instead of water i i make that paste and then i pour it in a frying pan and voila i have a meal Thank you, Dilman, for sharing a part of yourself with us. 
As a storyteller with a robust body of work, Dillman is a filmmaker, and in his own words, he tells us what he does. Sort of a writer and a filmmaker. Most of my works are in the science fiction genre, and I I deal I I work in many genres. Uh, I I do fantasies and horrors and literary stories. Uh, I, I know you know like. These classifications are basically a recent thing. They are mostly capitalist in nature, but at the heart of it, every story is a story, whether it's science fiction or whether it's a film, whether it's a, a poem, a drama. So in most cases, I add the term, the word uh, storyteller to my bio instead of just writer and filmmaker. Um, I've been recognized in a few awards here and there. Notably, this year, there was the British Science Fiction Awards for Best Short Story and also the normal award for best short story the normal award is like the african science fiction association it's run by the african speculative fiction society so a few films that have made have also you know made the rounds in festivals and been recognized with a few awards here and there uh, like the felicitas fable it did really well in it was my breakout not my breakout feature film if i can put it that way it had about four of five major awards in the Uganda Film Festival and was nominated for this uh, Best Director, Best First Feature by Director at the Africa Movie Academy Awards. Yeah, that's me in brief. And you can find more of all this in uh, dealmandela.com. I've actually wanted to do a food show for a while. At some point, I wanted to do cooking for men thing. Uh, and put it on YouTube. I, I even tried blogging about, you know, food. I can maybe leave the links in the description about the two or three food blogs I did. Yeah, but if you go on, if you want to see some of the films that I've done, they're on youtube.com slash deal stories, and you'll see a few of them over there. What part of this episode did you enjoy the most? Leave us a comment, a review, and a rating wherever you are listening from. Connect with us on the socials using hashtag ourfoodstoriesug. If you have a food story or know someone with a food story they would like to share, send us a DM at A Kitchen in Uganda on Instagram to contribute. See you in the next episode.